to make you feel at home, I lit a Santal 26 by Lilabo <laughs> candle in the bathroom. I was wondering what that beautiful nostalgic smell was. To make yeah. you feel like you're uh, not on Miami 2018. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. Okay, welcome to Clutch uh, and Touch with uh, <laughs> with special guests, uh, my most favorite Jew in Eastern Eastern Europe, Baby Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Say that again because I interrupted you. My favorite Jew in uh, all of Eastern Europe, Rachel Liebeskind. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sure. How's it going? It's going really well. Uh, I'm sitting here in Berlin with my baby attached to me and enjoying a coffee and um, beautiful looking pastry that P got at a Biomarkt. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was going to say it's not beautiful looking. It's from a Biofolkorn Bakerai. (laughs) It looks extremely Berlin. It's an extremely Berlin. It's like a gray, humid afternoon. Uh-huh. And we're having cafe on Kuchen, you know, just really trying to represent. Yeah, we're clutching. We're clutching. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what is, what is the touch in the clutch and touch? I think it's like talking know. shit. Yeah. Okay. It's just being a... Gossiping. Three entas gossiping yeah. over FaceTime. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Are you leafing through a today's dust field? <laughs> <laughs> I should have brought one over. Oh, my God. Yeah, we it's... should have covered all, all today's hottest topics. In a... Well, oh. I was just enjoying all the posters in this neighborhood, um, especially like the AFD slogans, <laughs> Our Country, Our Rules. <laughs> Um, it's really enjoying that or the green slogan, which is come with us and make a new politic. Oh my um, God. Also very <laughs> quaint. So yeah, you know, tax Wait. the rich, tax, tax the rich. The rich. That, that's going to be our filler for, uh, <laughs> throughout the recording today. Uh, wait, Rachel, tell us a thing or two about yourself for the, for listeners who, uh, don't know you. Okay. Well, I'm a big fan of the pod. I oh consider my myself an art thought as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, just, I just, just, a, just a disclaimer. This was not a pay for play. So yeah. No, I'm not getting paid anything. But <laughs> or um, vice versa. But I am available if anyone wants to hire me for a pay for play. I really I would love <laughs> to do that. Um, I am an artist. I grew up in Berlin, but I'm not German. But I sort of am, I guess. And then I moved to New York, and I just moved back to Berlin uh, six months ago, I guess. And I'm sort of, yeah, I just had a baby seven weeks ago, which is really um, much better. Thank you. Much better to do that in Berlin than in New York, having Mm -hmm. done both. And that's all, I guess. I'm a Jew, like Amir. (laughs) Amir and I are members of the tribe. And I'm Jew-ish. Well, I'm also Polish. That's also like, this is a trifecta connection. Yeah, exactly. With a Venn diagram. Yeah, we have have exactly a Venn diagram here. (laughs) Poles, Jews, people who've lived in Berlin, um, people who hate Germans. Sorry, just kidding. Erase that. Uh, You did not say that. We're not getting sued by the government. (laughs) You've definitely... You've definitely <laughs> dipped your toes in the, in the most important cultural sort of spheres of our time. New York, Berlin. Um, I think you, you might have some good... Uh, hello, baby. 
Yeah, my baby's he wants ba- to be on baby the pod. Baby Jonathan. Baby Jonathan wants to be on the pod. All right. Oh, Anyways, go so on. Sweet. Uh, and you also just opened a show in New York. Would you like to talk about it a little bit? Oh, thanks for the opportunity to self-promote. I did just open a show in New York on Saturday. I was super sad to not be there, but I opened a show at New Release, which is a really uh, wonderful little gallery in Chinatown, and is 100 World Trade Centers um, made out of flock. Oh, my babies really wants to be on the podcast. Um... And yes, it was open on September 11th. It's open up through October 9th. And it's, I think, a really, it's a very different type of work for me. I've never made that many pieces of one thing. But yeah. Um, but right, they're really so. beautiful. I wish I could see the Thank them in person. Thank you. They're very colorful. They're kind of, tri- they're, they're kind of like grieving relics. Soft, sweet mm-hmm. little pieces that are really colorful and um, hopefully evocative and emotional. And how did you source the photography? Um, so I actually only used 10 photographs. There are 10 of each, so it's 100 mm-hmm. pieces. And each photo of the World Trade Center is from like a famous, or I don't know, I mean, famous maybe at the time, but different types of things like Benson and Hedges, cigarette ad, um, you know, a, co- a really funny copy of a jazz standards book that I found mm-hmm. that's really cheesy from like the 80s. Um, an actual photograph used by like New York City tourism promotion in the late 70s, um, a Pan Am advertisement for magazines. I don't know, like a bunch of stuff like that. I sort of like spent six months just trying to collect images of the World Trade Centers, the mm-hmm. Twin Towers um, from movies. I made this little video, which was actually such a psychotic exercise because I tried to find all of the scenes in movies where the World Trade Center shows up. And it's like such a thing. Every movie, basically, that w- took place in New York has a shot in the, either the beginning or the end of like downtown Manhattan and the trade centers. Right. Um, so I was just really interested in like archiving a sort of collective cultural memory of those towers that um, I feel like we, our generation specifically, inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, that was then obviously lost and shattered by September 11th, but also like how sort of fake that nostalgia is in a lot of ways as well and sort of violent and um, how much it was used by the Bush administration and onward to sort of make the war on terror seem like it was something we had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, it's, it was very intense. I'm happy. I'm happy the work is, is done and in the world. Right. Uh, sorry to sound Deleuzian and annoying, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, your your practice is pretty much uh, heavily focused in the uh, sort of the reach, the research, and the sort of digging into archives. I guess I know you through the show you had at the Center for Jewish History in Manhattan. What was it? Five years ago at this point? Yes, God, time is time flies. Yes, it was five time years does ago. Fly. Do you want to? Sh- Tell us a little bit about that work because that's one of your most beautiful uh, wow. works in my Thank opinion. you, Amir. Yes, um, I appreciate that. I, well, yes, I, I'm always interested. I, don't, I never know like how to talk about my practice or my work in sort of existing canonical terms because I, I guess I would say like, what I is like, the what is the Center for Jewish History? The here Center for Jewish History is the largest existing Jewish archive. I mean, that is already really sexy. It houses like 
I think like tens of millions of Jewish documents from different organizations like Evo and the Sephardic American um, something, Sephardic American, I don't know actually what the acronym stands for, and the American Jewish Historical Society and um, a few other ones. And basically it's a museum archive right on 15th Street and 6th Avenue Mm -hmm. And I was invited to do a commission there based on their archive and in spending time in the archive to sort of try to figure out what I wanted to do and what material I wanted to use. I discovered these like horrible old bankers boxes filled with books and they were being deaccessioned. I was like, what are these books? They're kind of like random assortment of books. They were like, oh, these are the books we're, we're getting rid of because we have to make space for new stuff in our archive. Mm-hmm. And I just thought this was such a beautiful um, sort of metaphor for archives in general and the way, and, and sort of the archive of the mind and Jewish archives and historical archives and the way that things, you know, we always have to make room for new things because history is alive, right? And like, it's always, it's it's not something that's stagnant. It's always being added to and, edited um and so I took those books back to my studio I took about I want to say like 30 or 40 of them back to the studio and sort of trying to figure out how what I wanted to do with them and I ended up making casts of a bunch of them Mm -hmm. and making them out of concrete and then reinstalling concrete books into the archive um I guess as a kind of statement on the permanence and impermanence uh, and illegibility of, of, of objects in the archive. And I'll just say the most beautiful book that was recreated many times by me was prayer books for the blind mm-hmm. that I found in the archive, which were like these braille prayer books that were then also um, cast and remade out of concrete, which, yeah. Anyways, it was, thanks Amir for rem- reminding me of that work. Cause oh, I, of course. I just and pulled it up. It's really beautiful. Thank you. The, and the ti- image of the, of the, the braille, braille one. Yeah, yep. the yeah. braille ones were the best. And the uh, title of the show is Gniza, which is Hebrew for, you want to describe what it yes. is? Yes. So Gniza is um, basically a receptacle for holy objects and books and paper bearing God's name. Because in re- very, very religious Orthodox Jewish communities and, you know, pre-modern times in all Jewish communities, you could not dispose of anything that had God's name on it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, the way it relates to this project is also Solomon Schechter, who people know in America because a bunch of schools in Long Island and Westchester are named after him, uh, discovered this really famous Geniza in Cairo at the turn mm-hmm. of the century, turn of the 20th century. And it was like filled with trash, basically, like receipts and scraps and old broken books. Um, but through this discovery of basically like a a dumpster, a historical dumpster, we right. know more about ancient Jewish life than through any other discovery. So it was like this really major thing. And so, yeah. Thanks for, Again, uh, thanks for the superstitious uh, instincts <laughs> of the <Yeah>. Jewish people. <laughs> Literally. Exactly. Elevators that just keep on running. Basically. Burners totally. that might burn your house down. <laughs> I kind of resent the fact. What is the what is the source of this like uh, fear of the number thirteenth? Not in Judaism, of course, because in Judaism it's such a positive sort of number, a number to be celebrated, an important year of uh, in of a boy's life. life. Yeah, um, I resent the fact that ele- some elevators skip that floor. <laughs> <No. until laughs> I like still, I still find it like crazy. 
that like grown grown ups, like developers, rich, really, really wealthy developers who design buildings are like, no, we can't have a number 13. Like what's going to happen? That is success. Six Fifth Avenue. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, Yeah. That's like Nicki Minaj level sort of (laughs) anti-vaxxing swollen nuts level. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Well, mine are adequately sized and I was vaxxed. So sorry, Nicki. (laughs) Sorry. You're not welcome here. Actually, I've been told they're quite large. So, (laughs) oh my God. I'll tell you something. I mean, on topic, but off topic, but like a baby, when it comes out, a baby boy, the balls are huge. And like the first thing my husband said was like, oh my God, like what's up with these balls? Because they're like filled with all this, they're they're like filled with like extra liquid that has to be expelled after Mm -hmm. coming out of the body. But it's like a crazy looking thing. You have like these tiny babies with like a massive testicles. But um, then they go back. How does it expel the... Uh... Like, they just pee. I think it just, like, pee and, and like, like sweat and oh my God. not being inside the womb. But, um, yeah, they look fucking crazy. My biggest fear is when they... I mean, at some point, they, like, drop out of the, like, the body cavity onto the, like, the sack. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, and then the balls get stuck inside the body or something. And there's, like, a whole... Like natal postnatal procedure have to yes no that's like a thing oh yeah yeah like, like yeah. they didn't drop yeah the, yeah yeah they which didn't. you always make fun of people saying their nuts didn't drop <laughs> so also I, I forgot to apologize in advance to our anti-Semitic listeners this episode is extra <laughs> triggering <laughs> extra triggering yeah next we're gonna talk about uh, Orthodox circumcision where the <laughs> Oh, oh. I just gestured. He just gestured. He, he just did a really inappropriate gesture. Uh, uh, what was it? What was it like? Um, sort of having a Jewish baby in Berlin. Are there any? Like, was the bris an easy thing to handle? In no, no, it's like illegal here. I mean, basically, you can't get your child circumcised in this country unless it's for religious reasons. And no, like, regular hospital will do it for you. Mm-hmm. So just for the listeners that don't know this, in America or Canada, um, I'm not sure about other countries in Europe, when you give birth to a boy, like, day one in the hospital, you can ask the hospital, oh, could you please circumcise my son? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do it as a bris, which for those listeners who don't know, happens on the eighth day. That's right. Jonathan's pissed. He's like, I can't believe you did that <laughs> to like, me. Look what you did. To me. <laughs> yeah, basically, I'm going to spend the rest of my life being mad at you about it. Uh, and so, like, I just thought, like, oh, I'll just ask the hospital. I didn't really want to do it as like with the moil or a whole religious ritual. I just wanted to do it for a ver- variety of reasons, aesthetic mostly. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's really hard to do it here. And then there's like this whole like underworld where people were like oh, there's a famous Iranian woman who will do it. And like, you know, she'll do she'll do kids of any age because I guess it's kind of it's not only very frowned upon here to do it in any form, shape or form. Mm -hmm. It's also um, like considered like barbaric, basically. Right. So do you you have to go to like Riza and ask for the number six? I mean, that's the code. (laughs) I mean, basically, (laughs) you had to like find a doctor and like he had to go into like another doctor's office on a Saturday when nobody was there and we had to like use it and like I had to pay him in cash. 
It was really, it was like not a joke. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. But he did a great job and it was um, beautiful. You know, my kid survived it. I did. I might have not survived it, but my kid was fine. So how would you describe your experience so far as a uh, Jewish mother to a newly born Jewish Jewish baby in Berlin? I don't know yet. I mean... Oof, the ghosts. There are so many ghosts here, but I'm well acquainted with the ghosts having been a Jewish child here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, have you had to have you had to adjust your like attitude or your like street smarts moving back to Berlin? I, it's funny, like Berlin has changed so much since when mm-hmm. I was a kid here like when I lived here nobody spoke English and people would just stare at me and my parents speaking English on the street whereas now I mean there's English everywhere all the time mm-hmm. although I do love living in a part of town where like people still pretend not to speak English which is right the old west Charlottenburg the home of the bourgeoisie <laughs> um but yeah I, I my husband is like a real squawking New Yorker and I'm so uncomfortable with like perf- like my, I guess, awareness of appearing Jewish, which is mm-hmm. so weird. And that's something I would never think about in New York. Right. But I'm always like, shh, don't talk about Yom Kippur so loud. Oh or, you God. know, he's right. like, so we're like sitting at like a Syrian restaurant having lunch today. And he's like, so what should we do for breakfast? Like, Rah. And I'm like, shh, don't talk oh about this God. here. Like, I, I mean, don't when, want. When I lived in Berlin, my mom would call me every so often and I'd be like, hey, I'm on the train. She was like, shh, okay, it's fine. I'll talk to you later. Oh <laughs> I mean, it's real. It's real. That's so real. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I try to adjust it. It's weird. Like, my daughter goes to um, the Jewish community preschool here. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a crazy experience because there's, like, policemen yeah. and, like, un, like uh, plainclothes armed guards outside and crazy security to get in and get out. And that makes me really uncomfortable. Although right. every Jew I talk about this to who has kids in New York is like, well, I wish they had that in New York. Um, which is, I guess, another perspective that I don't share, but um, it's definitely an intense thing. I, I guess it's just part of who I am because I grew up this way. It's not something that I'm, I'm sort of used to being. Like I never, I, I never wore a, a Star of David as a kid, and my right. parents and grandparents kept buying them for me and being like, "What do you? Why don't you want this?" And I was like, "Because I'm not trying to yeah, advertise." I you're not supposed to wear them. What? I what do you it's mean? Not like a, it's not like a crucifix. My mother wears one, maybe. Oh. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's changed. Um, I mean, it's like, funny because because growing up in Israel, I mean, you take those things for granted and it's only here in the States or in you know other parts of the world like Europe where you see people actually wear those, uh, the Star of David. And I'm like, mm, to me, that looks and feels like overcompensation for right. sort of the distance <laughs> from the promised land. And I mean, uh, that's 100% what it is. I yeah. like won't put a mezuzah on my door. There you go. I like won't have a mezuzah on my door, and every time someone like in my family yells at me about it, I, I, mean, I like I, to quote Larry David, which is like we put these on our doors so they know which house to burn first. Yeah, I was going to say it's like a reverse story of Passover, where you mark the doors of the Jews actually to target. Yeah. Well, I really wanted to um, invent like a ring doorbell that's also a mezuzah, so it just like does both. I love. I absolutely love that. Um, I mean, the the placement is a little tricky. You'd have to have like a fish eye, a bigger fish eye sort of angle. <laughs> I think it could work. And uh, and then you 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 have live footage of someone vandalizing your door. So well, oh my the God. problem is you every time you enter 
you enter the house, you have to kiss the mezuzah, and so over time, I guess the buildup of like spit or whatever. Spit, yeah. It's <laughs> actually kind of an lens. amazing idea. What if you just kiss the mezuzah directly onto the fisheye lens? It's a really totally. cute. You make amazing video art with that. Shemek, you have such good like Jewish style like startup <laughs> ideas for the Jewish for constituency. Shark <laughs> yeah. For Shark Tank, yeah. it's perfect. Love Mark it. Cuban, he'll love it. He'll love it. <laughs> um, I love, I love him. And Rachel, Same. so the, the show you just opened at New Directions, new release, new release. New release. <laughs> new directions. Wait, can I, I just interrupt for a second? Um, I saw my brother and his girlfriend yesterday, and my brother was like. I love the podcast because you guys just constantly have factual errors and like Amir just gets names wrong. Excuse, it's are, you referring, are you referring to me referring to Beanie Feldman as Edie Finkelstein? <laughs> Stop. It was but that's an why, mistake. But that's why podcasts are amazing. Yeah, Sarah Connor. <laughs> I was thinking of like Sarah, Sarah Ferguson who plays Linda Tripp on the impeachment <laughs> show and then like matt connor sorry it's like all oh, i'm i have brain it's okay. fog no it's sweet we love it yeah exactly that's why we love podcasts that's why the podcast is the best contemporary medium yeah yep um so the show you just opened in new york what i was gonna ask if uh god this brain fog did you work on it prior to your move to berlin or was it I made the, yeah, I worked on it right before I, I was like the last project I was doing in my studio. My poor landlord like just left, I mean, flock for those of you who don't know is like tiny fibers of fabric. It's super, super toxic and also makes a fucking mess. So I just like went ham on it in my studio and, but I made like the text and the video um, and the kind of concept for how that work was going to hang and everything after Mm-hmm. I just finished it before. It was a good project to leave my studio with. A goodbye to New York. So it was your New York swan song. Exactly, <laughs> Amir. Exactly. Um, and how's Berlin been so far, uh, creativity-wise? Um, it's been pretty good. I again, I sort of feel haunted whenever I'm here because mm-hmm. it's a haunted city. I mean, all cities are haunted. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, but no, Berlin, there's something dark about the yes, psyche in the city. Totally. Um. And I'm actually living in the apartment of this amazing Jewish artist who was murdered in Auschwitz. Oh my God. That I like found out serendipitously, which feels extra haunty to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her name is Charlotte Solomon. You guys should all, everyone listening should go Google her right now. (laughs) She's incredible. What's Uh, her name? No, Charlotte Solomon. She's a beautiful, wonderful artist who died at the age of 26 in Auschwitz. Um, Crazy, tragic life. But anyways, I... Is there a Stolperstein outside the house? Yes. There's actually not only a Stolperstein, there's also a plaque huh. um, on the building commemorating her. So when I like, I actually signed my lease sight unseen and was supposed to move April 2020, obviously got derailed because of COVID, ended up coming in the fall to pick up my keys and see my apartment. And I like walk up to it and see this plaque and was gobsmacked. Like what? Because she's not like a super well-known artist. Um, mm-hmm. I've been following her for years since I discovered her work like, five or six years ago. Um, And so I like drew a crazy, basically like hunt to discover, try to figure out which apartment she lived in, in the building found out she lived in the apartment I live in, which is, was very creepy. That's also beautiful and kind of wondrous. So I'm trying to honor that. Um, So creatively I'm sort of, 
I don't know what that means for me. Just trying to like channel some of that, um, that she would be happy I was living there. The ghosts mm-hmm. are happy it's another <laughs> Jewish artist. <laughs> I am reading she is primar- primarily remembered as the creator of an autobiographical series of paintings, Leben oder Theater. Yes. And uh, her work is beautiful. I'm going to post it to our Instagram account Ugh, when this love episode it. comes up. Yes, her work Just is amazing. Beautiful. Very, very beautiful. What a coincidence. It's as if uh, you mm-hmm. were meant to move into that apartment. Exactly. That's like, that's, yeah. So I'm trying to harness some of that sense of like miraculous beauty. I don't know. I feel like that's a nice thing when mm-hmm. you're an artist and you kind of, so much of my work is also about like what I discover in the archive or what I find in my research or what I come upon that like, that feels very in line with my, you know, divine process or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been good overall. I mean, Berlin is, Berlin is wonderful. Germans are, um, take a while to adjust to after coming from America, (laughs) as you know. (laughs) That's putting it very mildly. (laughs) Uh, How would you say you adjusted your expectations moving from New York to Berlin in terms of what you'd like to now achieve in your career? Oh, my God, I'm here. (laughs) Such a serious question. Uh, I have no idea, to be honest. I mean, my I, I primarily moved to Berlin because having kids in New York is like very difficult. And I was sort of wanted to experience something that felt a little bit easier Mm-hmm. financially and just certain like pace of life and everything. Um, but I miss New York, of course, but you know, the nice, I still haven't, I think it's COVID. Like when I got here, it was the middle of COVID and they had like their lockdown. The lockdown here was way more serious than the lockdown in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't really gotten that much of a chance to like really feel out what this art scene is. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems really big here in a way that New York's doesn't, even though New York is obviously a huge art scene because it's the center of the art world. (laughs) Um, I don't know, New York, I guess I just spent more time there and know different factions of people and kind of how people are connected, but it seems really, Berlin seems very big and very fragmented. That's how I've been feeling recently too. Right? It seems like these very disparate pods of people make up the art world. And so I'm like trying to sort of sort that out um, Jonathan is breathing very heavily. Um, I'm trying to sort that out and sort of see where I want to fit in, if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Getting a studio here was a nightmare. <laughs> True. <laughs> because like people here don't, landlords don't want your money. Um, <laughs> but I finally found a studio and I'm finally working on a project. And so it's 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 coming together. But, you know, it takes time to move, especially when you have kids. I mean, that's, right, ta- yeah. you know, it takes like energy and time to get settled somewhere and figure out yeah. like, what's my rhythm? What do I want to do here? You know, how much do I want to work? Because people here do not work that much. There's a real myth about Germans working. Or being efficient yeah. or knowing how I to mean, build a major airport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or not cheating on uh, emissions uh, reporting. Or, exactly. Or taxes. Or taxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, all the German cliches are false it's like that spider-man meme where everyone's just pointing fingers at each other yeah (laughs) that's exact that's literally like how the The state functions yeah and the society yeah Uh, (laughs) basically um are there any like creative inspirations that sort of uh i don't know 
you find most appealing now in this stage of your life in Berlin? I mean, you've mentioned uh, the previous resident in your current apartment, but... Um, yeah, you know, Berlin... That, I mean, I don't know. Like, it sounds so... This sounds, like, so, like, douchey. But I did read um, Berlin Childhood by Walter Benjamin, like, the first month I was here. Because mm-hmm. I love... I really love that book. And I love him. And I... He also grew up in the West, like me. And there's, like, funny relationship there that I, I just funny how things don't change um his descriptions of like the you know sculptures on like the caryatids as columns on buildings in the old west and the way the streets go into one another and the way like the winter is endlessly dark you know all things that are still very true um mm-hmm. no but I've been looking at like Hannah Hoech and um just some of the more classic like Berlin artists um right in general it's it's a beautiful it's the thing about berlin is like it's so relaxing like you go outside at like 2 p.m on a tuesday and like everyone's sitting outside having a coffee right you know what i mean like no one's really working which is actually great in some ways in some ways so i'm trying to harness some of that yeah and i mean berlin on a sunday feels like uh new york uh, under lockdown in march 2020 yeah it feels like (laughs) christmas day (laughs) <laughs> that's like what it, like like nobody's outside it's amazing yeah. did you have you read uh berlin alexander plutz i actually have not read that but clearly it needs to go on my list you should definitely read it i actually read it when like two months after i moved to berlin and i read it at sankt oberholz where it was <laughs> written <laughs> wow <laughs> Amir. Dublin. i love uh, it it's just, it's just a beautiful book and i actually have a really good uh i wish i should have brought it to you i have a really good uh copy of it in hebrew Ooh. We should write a part two. Um, we just discussed that book. Yeah, no, it starts at the Primark <laughs> yeah. at Alexander Blatz. Um, <laughs> oh my god, it's perfect. And discusses the, the newly opened Starbucks at Valshausstrasse. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm gonna go there on my way home today. Oh, almond milk frap is latte. And there's a Five Guys at Alexander Blatz. What? We need to get milkshakes one day. That's our next hangout. Yeah, We're getting milkshakes. Next. I want to go to that pizza place. That's a Magic Magic Johns. Ooh, we should do that. Yeah. yeah. Shout for, out to Magic Johns. For those listeners that don't know, um, Berliners have like an obsession with Ameri- like shitty American culture. <laughs> but not like cool young Berliners. Like, like middle aged. Not good service <gasps> culture or... No. No. Okay, but Magic Johns was opened by a hot Israeli. Okay. A daddy. But the hot Israeli daddies, <laughs> Mugrabi is a hot Israeli daddy. Like the, the hot Israeli daddies are coming and like killing it. Oh, like Kathy Mugrabi? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's that place, place is amazing. That place is good. No, Berliners just love, there's like a fetishization of like horrible American culture where like you can go buy, like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, you could go to Cadivi and buy Pop-Tarts for like $30. Oh, still true. Yeah, really? still true. <laughs> and I like to do it about once every four years. <laughs> Um, yeah, they just, there's like a, an older, like the older, the older Germans, those who were, I would say like 40 plus, maybe older, 50 plus, there's like a sort of hate, they, you talk about America and they get like kind of hazy eyed and like yeah. excited and it's, it's like, there's this, there's this prompt, there's still this like old world promise of America that they've <laughs> subscribed to, um, as a result maybe of like the Americans being the good guys and the, no. uh, who it's knows. The, it's the airlift. Exactly. And the Burger King that was near the U.S. base, which then turned into Madonna's Hard Candy Fitness. Wow. 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 Iconic. 
Um, well, speaking of America and New York, uh, to make you feel at home, I lit a Santal 26 by Lillabo candle in the bathroom. I was wondering what that beautiful, nostalgic smell was. To make and also feel, the lilies. To make yeah. you feel like you're at uh, Nada Miami 2018. <laughs> Basically. Oh my God. Uh, well, the Met Gala happened. Train wreck. Uh, I'm like, I feel like we can't even talk about the AOC thing because I just do not want to give any more air to that on either side of the debate. Yeah, I'll just let the ethics committee uh, figure that one out. <laughs> the, the standing committee on bad hemlines. Um, okay, I mean, she looked, where do she we looked start? Ama- she looked amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, she's she, gorgeous. She's an, she's an incredibly good-looking woman. Yes. And I love when she goes off on the floor of Congress. So Same. But yeah. the but but like the Met Gala, co- maybe this is a controversial opinion, but like shouldn't have happened this year. Like seemed so frivolous to me. It was yeah. too, hashtag too soon. Had, too yeah, soon. too Plus soon. Plus they're doing part two in May. It's just what? like on the same really? topic. Yeah, no. it's like it's like American fashion part two. Uh, yeah, the same people are going to be invited. I'm sure, or maybe the ones that will now forcibly get vaxxed, like Tom and Giselle. Uh, that's who they're oh not God. vaxxed yeah it's like anyone that you can think of that's huge that was not there was it's probably not there because vaxed. they're not the vaccinated the Olsen twins don't get vaxxed seriously like, but that Madonna, makes sense I mean they're Madonna. frail yeah Madonna is she an anti-vaxxer definitely I, th- I think she's just recovered and doesn't want to take the uh, the shot oh interesting which I can understand or maybe it just it's going to interact with like the um, industrial grade fillers <laughs> in her ass <laughs> her totally. face and her fucking cheeks I mean I, I gotta say, I this nine eleven, I really got into it. Like, I watched so many documentaries. Like, I was just seeking out these like intense tear jerkers. And then, like on the same day, I see like on a uh, just Jared and TMZ, like Kim K pulling out to her hotel in her like whatever like shadow costume she was gimp in. Mask. And I, gimp mask. I mean, first of all, that was extremely gimpy. Yeah. It was yeah. like it was extremely sex club. It was feeling yeah, it very... was just fulsome. It was yeah. fulsome. Fully. Um, and but it was just I, like, yeah, it was just too soon for me because like I didn't want to see those things on 9-11. And then the following day, the VMAs happen. And it just feels yeah. like, you know how in Israel you have uh, uh, like Remembrance Day immediately followed by Independence Day. So like in Israel, there's this whole culture of moving from like grief and mourning to like celebration. It just felt like it was implemented here in the States all of a sudden without anyone having asked the people if they like it or not. Yeah. So like they went from yeah. 9-11 to like the VMAs and everybody looked like shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was just seemed like overload. It seemed like cultural implosion or yeah. something. 9-11. Yeah. VMAs. VMAs. Met Gala. Gala. Yeah. Like. Met Gala uh, was, but I, but I have to just say one thing about the Kim K outfit at the Met Gala. Like actually over like having slept on it i feel like it was really ruddy call like i feel like actually based on how i feel about the met gala like they all seem everyone seemed so silly like who keeps like it just seemed too soon and silly and weird and overplayed and like just like trying to like do something pre-covid that can't really happen in that way i don't know that her outfit actually seemed like deeply avant-garde even though like i know she's always trying to be avant-garde it actually was kind of avant-garde um and also sort of like a like a cry for help. 
I mean, her entire life and career has been one uh, endless cry for help. I was, I was just really concerned by Chris's collapsed nose. It's like oh, with a coke booger. Wait, I need a visual. I need a visual. Oh my god. Yeah, I need a visual. I mean, she looks Um, amazing, but whatever she and uh, Chloe have been doing to their noses, like I don't know who's their like spiritual nose guy but no i think just... they're just getting those injections you know like the non-surgical nose jobs people yeah. keep getting but I she think... has like collapsed nostrils yeah. she's had it for years i mean she Oof. was a beverly hills hoe her and faye resnick in the 80s. Yeah, faye, yeah um the morally corrupt and bankrupt <laughs> faye resnick my favorite part of real housewives of beverly Icon. hills and the oj simpson story oh. Oh my god, we have to do a whole episode just on OJ. Yeah. Well, all the thing is, all roads lead back to Bravo. That's the thing. You, exactly. know, you pick any American event, and all, or you know, um, and it always comes back to Bravo and Andy Cohen. Um, I actually, as much as I dislike her as a as an artist, I enjoyed Billie Eilish's um, gown, whatever you want to call that. Oh, her Marilyn moment. Agreed. I actually like um, appreciate that she went all the way. Yeah. She's kind of the she, only one who did. Um yes, I guess that's true. I just she find really, it's I find it so odd that she's crowned as sort of the new best thing since uh, sliced bread on the pop scene with her just whisper songs and whatever. <laughs> I mean, um your da- power is a bop, okay? <laughs> my dad loves her and refers to her as 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 whatever her name is, Alish. Yeah, <laughs> he's always like, "What's her name?" Alish, the Alish. I'm like, "What the fuck is Alish?" So I'm like, "Irish stomp dancer." But um, <laughs> yeah, no. Oh wow, Chris's nose looks okay. crazy. On Instagram, there's one where it's slightly angled down, so it looks even more collapsed, and you can see a coke booger. No, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Wait, but she looks a, amazing. Uh, Contemporary um, Cleopatra. Is Caitlyn in Australia now, shooting a Big Brother? Oh my god, probably I'm I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Season thirty-nine. Basically. Uh also it's just sad how like Chloe is never gonna be invited to anything. It's Poor like Chloe. so cruel. It's so cruel. Oh wow. Oh, Kim wow. Kardashian looks incredible. I mean sorry, Chris Kardashian <laughs> looks incredible. Chris Jenner has Chris Jenner, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Well she was Chris Kardashian, it's okay. She's two looks in one and this um mace. <laughs> <laughs> what fits inside that ball what what could you let's just discuss what could you fit inside that her clutch looks like her, a grenade her or clutch a is the size of a literal baseball yeah. like i could put like a lipstick some cash balled up into a ball um you couldn't even fit like cigarettes a today sponge yeah <laughs> i'm seeing that chris hung out with uh, olivier from belmont the other day Speaking of face tuning, Rustan. Honestly, I could never tell with him if he had excessive work done or if it's just naturally plump, <laughs> or if it's face tune. Um, oh my god! I think all of the above. Probably. But okay, what else happened um, at the Met Gala? Rihanna wasn't a fan. Love, love her, but love her, but what? <laughs> Also, like, I feel like trying to be too avant-garde and is not avant-garde. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like go to that Comme de Garçon boutique in um, Chelsea, step through the portal, <laughs> and you can walk away with that look. 
Wait, we're, taking, uh, we're pulling it up right lo- now. She looked like what's her name? The inspiration of Rick Owens, or you know, the one with the like the henna tattoos on her face. The older lady. Oh, his wife. Uh, his wife. Yeah. His heterosexual <laughs> life partner. I'm uh, dead. I'm dead at that description. His roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, uh, as someone on Instagram posted, uh, Timothée Chalamet uh, <laughs> constantly looks like a sommelier. <laughs> oh my god, that's so apt. It's because he's so he has a baby face. Yeah, I, I mean, he's allegedly a walking superbug of uh, chlamydia. <gasps> no. Yes, that's the uh, rumor. Rumor has it. The Dime Square intel you received. I yeah. love it. Oh, speaking of Dime Square, Ella Emhoff was pretty oh pared God, down girl, and no. not inoffensive, I found. Wait, wait my friend um, Chris Habib, who's a really good artist, tweeted, Ella Emhoff looks like an abortion. <laughs> oh my God. Thank God for abortion. We, just to be clear, we, we support and love yeah. abortion here. We also love babies. Um, wait, what is we love what abortion. Is, uh, is abortion legal in all the states in Germany? Yes, but they do have a crazy law here where you have to, by law, listen to the baby's heartbeat. Yeah, and you have to have, like, basically psychological counseling. You basically go, you're like, before I want an abortion. Before. You mm-hmm. go and you're like, I want an abortion. And they're like, okay. And then you, they basically do, like, an ultrasound, which you have to partake in. It's, it's controversial here. A lot of progressives think it's, like, yeah. sort of psychological torture. So they, like, make you listen to the heartbeat, make you look at the bean. It's not a fetus it's like a yeah an embryo um and then you have to by law wait 48 hours so you have like your 48 hours of reckoning and then you're (laughs) allowed to go in it's horrible no i have a friend who had an abortion here a german friend and she said it was terrible yeah like Like, they make you it but i mean it's like free and easy and safe so like great we support anything that's free and easy and safe especially abortion but um it's very controversial to like the progressives and people on the left that like you have to go through this weird process. And that's thanks to girl boss Angela Merkel. Um, break that glass ceiling, sis. <laughs> sis. I mean, she is a Christian Democrat. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. She's got Christ's blood on her hands. Uh, like well, the Stella Emhoff dress. Like the yes. Emhoff. Speak, speaking of menstrual bleedings, uh, I'm just pulling it looks up like the a maxi pad. <laughs> Literally, it's like a, that. I'm pulling up the New York Times uh, feature about what she wore to the Met Gala. Estella uh, McCartney mm. for Adidas. <laughs> Wait, can we get a, let's get a zoom. I need to get a zoom on that fit. I mean, she looks, honestly, it's the best I've seen her look. Yeah, but it's, it's like when least... you look at her, you're like, wait, how is she a model? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like she I mean, has lo- less going mo- on on that face than Kendall ever did. But I mean, that's, I just that's what models look like these days. I, yeah, like I, I live near the Kudam, which is like a stupid, kind of a silly shopping street in Berlin. And there's like these big vitrines with Prada ads on them. And I literally thought the most recent campaign was a joke because the, the model is so, yeah, so terrible looking, frankly. But this isn't even what models look like. She is so plain. It's like, I'm also like, but who is she? Like what? Like I like if it were one thing, if it was like the VP's stepdaughter is really hot and yeah. going to become a model, I'd be like, okay, I get the narrative. But I'm like, I know is she like was she like a like an it girl somewhere in some Not rain really. factory? She no, like, this is this is all just a drunken canal psyop. Yeah, it is, <laughs> and it's just like 
You know, when everyone went so hard against, like, Ivanka and all that, they really had to, like, swing the pendulum back. Like, Yeah, they did. Like, now we have people we can put on Vogue, like <laughs> right. Dr. Jill Biden <laughs> and Ella M. Oh, Ivanka. Oh, I miss Ivanka. I miss her aesthetic. I'm not going to lie. I loved her oh, veneers. Yeah. Uh, do you actually, you, Rachel, do you want to talk about the Ivanka project post-Trump election back uh, five years ago? Oh my God, it's so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and like, I'm glad it petered out when it did because it was like, that. it was like starting to be co-opted by like, um, libtards mm-hmm. that we like couldn't allow it to happen. No, in the beginning we just had this fun project called Dear Ivanka after the Trump 2016 win where we just did all these actions centered on Ivanka Trump, like going to her house. We did a moving party for her when she moved to Blythe <laughs> Mansion. We went to her house on Park with like a bunch of boxes and it was really silly. But the, my favorite part of that whole artist movement was that um, my friend Chris, the one who said that L.M. Hoff looks like an abortion, he made a life-size cutout of Ivanka with um, the Trump moving hat because Trump at one point had licensed his name to a moving company in New Jersey in like the 80s anyways and for like and i still have my life-size cut out of ivanka and she went with me everywhere <laughs> and i was like at every protest or every like action like everything we did i would like bring this life-size ivanka with me and it was, she was my friend she was in my studio like all the time looking down at me um because i have to look up to, at her on her pedestal now who is the creator behind most of the visuals for dear ivanka yeah because it's pretty uh versatile and diverse Oh, it was a bunch of different artists. It was like okay. a big, really amazing group of artists. Like it was like Marilyn Minter and Cecily Brown was involved. Like it was like, that was like the best part of it that we would like hang out in Cecily Brown's studio and have our meetings there. But mm-hmm. then it just like it dissolved because it got to be too like resist. Yeah, pussy. Yeah, yeah. Hon- exactly. Honestly, it like, it's uh, it sounds like uh, the similar sort of uh, track uh, Gorilla Girls sort of ended up on. Very, I, I think, yeah. I think that just happens because things that are actually radical and cool um, don't last. Yeah. I mean, it tends to uh, end up in a, with true. a... Ever. Like a true. Ever. Fra- fracturous in fighting. Yes, exactly. Um, and are there any other things in the New York art world slash scene that you miss? Oh, that I miss? Oh, my God. Um, I miss knowing people. (laughs) I miss, like, walking into an opening and people being like, hey, I know her. And I'm like, I'm not a loser. Um, (laughs) No. Exactly. (laughs) Or Jerry. (laughs) Hey, Jerry. Thanks for your DM. Oh, my God. Uh, Uh, Sorry, we're blocked by him, so we don't know. Oh, my God, you are? Ugh, should we DM him right now? A pick of us. Um, I miss. Um, no, I actually really don't miss like this week. I was like, oh my god, I'm so happy I'm not in New York. I've last few weeks for like the armory, the fairs, yeah, and all that's like ugh. Um, but I also think that like I think some of the work in New. I don't know. This is a controversial statement, but I sort of feel like Berlin has some pretty bad work. Yes. Um. And I so can, didn't can really you realize. Expound on that? Well, I just like feel like I walk by galleries and I'm like, okay, come on now, like what what's going on here? Just like the work is whether it's your taste or not, sort of arguably bad. Mm-hmm. And um, New York has a lot of 
work that's not my taste. It also has bad work. There's just more like quantity there. Mm-hmm. And in Berlin, I feel like I'm walking around and I'm like, what is happening here? Um, How would you typify the work that you see in Berlin? I mean, what is the what are some current trends or uh, trucking? Yeah, it, I feel like the work here is very checked out. If uh-huh. that makes sense, yep. it's like everyone's like taking ketamine together <laughs> and making work together. Horse girl, <laughs> what's that uh, horse dewormer they take here? <laughs> Ivermectin. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's gonna be the new Berghain drug. Oh, a hundred percent. Which is reopening, by the way. It is reopening, like fully. but I we feel like do, yeah, Berghain's Kevin, out. We should do the next episode from there. <laughs> Amazing. Live from lab, yeah. actually. <laughs> Um, no, we're kind of feel like it's so out now. I love it. Like, what's going to be the next club? We will start one. <laughs> Honestly, that's like Berlin. The, I always joke that like there's no way to make money here because these are the cheapest people in the world. Berliners are, <laughs> Berliners are literally like will fight you over like twenty cents. Yeah. But um, the only way to make money here is to have a club. Yeah. If right. anybody wants to invest. To, a, to appeal to appeal to Berliners' debaucherous tendencies. I mean, that's the only thing they're willing to spend money on is once they start doing drugs. They'll yeah. like spend the extra two euro on the Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, I'm not even kidding. Oh my god! Uh, so you were saying the art feel ch- feels checked out in Berlin? Yeah, I mean, it might just be a COVID thing again. I don't know. I kind of came here at such a weird time. It's hard to know like what the stace, the, the kind of baseline is mm-hmm. normally. But I do feel like it's kind of checked out. I mean, I don't know. The yeah. art world's in a weird moment. There's like a figuration obsession, figuration craze. Even in Berlin? Um, no, but no, like in the sort of but... general art world. And then Berlin has like this extremely checked out kind of conceptual installation moment. Yeah. Which is like dry, like enviro bio work exactly <laughs> um, spirulina sponsored uh, yeah. basically green dyed green from spirulina harvested yourself in brandenburg um <laughs> like i just it's it's so like at it's so kind of um at the other end of the spectrum it also feels i don't know it's or the very, nft dorks there's all these like uh, no yes. no names mentioned but there's a lot of berlin nft dorks a lot yeah kind of already at the top of the art world and it's just like what are you doing sorry jonathan's waking up i mean okay i just have you're an inspiration i have to say rachel why working mother on the go working mom on the go seriously breastfeeding in the podcast this is like a project (laughs) runway challenge it's like you you are breastfeeding you have a podcast to record you had to commute across town. <laughs> I to it might be raining right now. What are you going to wear? It's good that I'm sitting inside your house. <laughs> this moment this moment is going to be in the Supercut uh, 100 epitho- episode uh, uh, edition. Somebody, uh, First baby on the pod. Yeah. Uh, well, you can't let the baby slow you down. Yeah, exactly. You got to yeah, live your true. life. Also, I have to say baby Jonathan is very hungry. Oh yeah, this has been. <laughs> he's just. This is what these babies do. They he's just been. Sit. He's been eating for the last probably like sixty percent of this podcast yeah. recording. Yeah, my body's, my body is my body is letting milk out as I talk. It's crazy. Um, uh, this is an art uh, performance as we speak. Yep. Actually, I'm leaving a pile of milk <laughs> milk here oh for your coffee for your coffee in the morning. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> My Matthew Barney installation. Basically. 
Um, um, just a quick question. What would you attribute sort of the trends that you see in Berlin now in the art world to? So all the sort of, as Przemek said, the sort of dry, uh, heavy-handed performances and sort of uh, super heady stuff. What would you attribute those trends to in the culture or in the market? I mean, there's like a heavy... Uh, ideology is in, you know? Mm-hmm. Like people are obsessed with identity politics, which we know, but it's sort of morphed now into like hardcore ideological um, belief systems that people are sort of like um, wearing like brands in general. I mean, that's everywhere. And it's such, I mean, I personally sort of hate um, ideology. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just, I think it's like really boring and very dry and it's, it, it's just not, it's not like living and alive in an interesting way, which is why I think the work feels that the work is sort of representative of that. Of course there's like good work. We're just looking right now at the Berlin art week website. There's Mm -hmm. some great work here and they're great artists here, but I think overall we're in like a really, it's a weird moment. It's like COVID and like Biden and, and, um, there are big German elections here. And of course climate change is like, continues to be like this, snowballing thing that keeps happening just like in the background constantly looming heavy over everybody and it's a bizarre time i think in every corner of the world do you think there's room in berlin for sort of a similar kind of vibe of trend that's been going on here for the past few years with you know trying to elevate uh lesser heard voices marginalized voices etc i mean in a country that's relatively homogenous and it's Ethnic non-diversity, basically. Um, literally. Uh, it's the least diverse place ever. Um, not I mean, actually, what, but What it's... kind of voices can you center that haven't been centered so far in Germany? I mean, I think, I think there is a, an attempt here, and a good one, to sort of center the voices of Arabs, people from the Middle East, refugees. You know, this, is, this has become in the last, like, 10 years very much more of a center of um you know trying to to trying to give space to intellectuals or thinkers who are coming from who are refugees who have refugee stories or are coming from the Middle East and are sort of um subject to the existing kind of racism that's ingrained in Berlin culture as a result of having so many Turkish guest workers here over the last 60 years um mm-hmm. so i think that that's a positive thing i feel like exists here um that that feels it does feel like pretty authentic it doesn't feel like inorganic or bad right but 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 you know because it's yeah maybe because it's not propelled by sort of the money machine that's uh yeah you know i think it's propelled by like a genuine demand for it or something um Mm -hmm. But one of my closest friends here who is um jamaican and german she started one of the first like corporate diversity consultancies because it like doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and her joke to me is always like there's like i'm worried we're not going to have any clients because like there's no corporate diversity here so um you know it's really people i feel like people coming from new york have like or in in, in general america have like no sense of just how homogenous this culture is right and it's a place where people constantly say like you know, question you why you don't speak German if you don't make a big issue out of it. And like that actually wouldn't fly anywhere else. <laughs> like Yeah, they're they're like openly racist here yeah. in a way that 
it's not tinged with the same historical context as it is in America. Yeah. It's just it just is. Yeah. Just open right. racism. Um I feel yeah. like in the I feel like in the twelve steps of sort of overcoming an addiction or a substance abuse issue, America is in the stage where it's trying to somewhat deal with its problems, whereas in Germany they haven't even fully I mean, they have no. acknowledged their issues, but I don't think they've internalized them or it hasn't really sunk in the sort of the magnitude yeah. of the issue. No. Well, just, but even in the art world, like, you know, just think of all the um, big collectors or collections where it's like all Nazi money. Yeah. Oh it's my like, God. Where, where's, where's the fund they're starting but for like, like. That is, okay, I'm really happy you brought that up. I've been thinking so much about this. There's so much here. There's so many institutions like the Karevi. Or like Hattie, the school, yeah. which is a government school. Like uh, some art collections yeah. that shall remain and sort of neutral yeah. at the moment. Well, we, we know. We know who we, you, you know what we're talking are. about. <laughs> um, yeah, there's like there's so many, a huge variety, diverse variety of institutions that exist here that have like never acknowledged that they are coming out of, like that they made their money from basically collaborating with the Nazis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's such a bizarre um, sort of elephant in the room. Yeah. That like, I just wonder if regular German people, like someone going to this museum or collection or into the Kadeve or whatever, thinks about it. Because obviously like us Jews are always thinking about this. <laughs> That's our gift and our curse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just really wonder, I'm like, you know, do people like think about what, you know, like it's so funny when you go to like, the Kadeve, like uh, Wikipedia. I'm using the Kadeve because it's a good example. Wait, you mean There's Kave, like, Kave or Kadu? Kadeve, the it's which is a huge department store here, a very famous oh, fancy okay. department store. And you like okay. go to the department, like you. It was owned by a Jew, yeah. and then like from 19. 19- 39 to 1951 there's like no information but oh, that's every timeline in berlin when Literally you see the timeline every timeline <laughs> yeah. in berlin is like that and then it's like and then the west german government resurrected yeah. it with funds from the marshall plan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like um, okay well who were the new owners and like what happened to the previous owners but it's just there's so much stuff like that here that feels to me like a really necessary step yeah right. where that stuff gets addressed um yeah but i doubt it will um, do you hang out with Israelis in Berlin or would you feel there is sort of a, a chasm between um, sort of Zionism and Judaism in the German context? Um, I do hang out with some Israelis here. I love them all. And there's Berlin has such a massive Israeli scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of... <laughs> Because I mean, Berlin is welcoming to Israelis in a different way than it is accommodating to Jewish narratives and histories. It's just, it's it's a different sort of uh, ballpark. It's easy to fetishize, I think, Israelis because there's like exoticism happening. Whereas if you're like a German Jew, which there are tons of, that's like, no, no, but I mean, yes, there are plenty. I know like numerous German Jews, which, uh, but you know there's it, you're like a part of the culture in a more yeah um in, in integrated way that's actually more complicated to accept i i mean i personally make it a rule to not discuss zionism or israel or any of the politics surrounding that with germans it's just mm-hmm. like a, a point of self-preservation that i have right. i've had too many conversations where i'm like actually no like i'm just i'm not doing this with you 
Um, what is the problem? Oh, I just have an issue. I, I just like, I grew up in, you know, pre 2000s Berlin where it was still very much that like anti-Israel sentiment that was, you know, in the form of demonstrations or protests, like it was at that point pretty thinly veiled anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Um, now I actually think there's a lot more nuance and people, there's a lot more validity in, in um, criticizing Israel and having that conversation. However, I just personally, like, I just can't sit with a white Christian German and have a conversation about, like, Israel's right to exist. It's just, like, it's just, I, I, there's a mental block for me where I'm like, actually, I don't, I don't want your opinion. It's not, you know what, like, this is not a conversation to me, to me that I um, find productive. I just mm-hmm. usually end up feeling sort of enraged and, like, hitting a sort of mental dead end. Right. Um, like I had like I was at an opening a few years ago of mine in Germany and at the after party it was like late at night it was like 1 a.m. we were all drinking and drunk and having a great time and this girl this friend of the owner of the gallery like in the middle of a conversation I was talking about something about being Jewish or I don't even remember how it came up she's like so are you a Zionist oh my God. and I was like excuse me she's like are you a Zionist like in front you know it was like a small intimate group and I, like people I didn't really know and I was like what and I just like I had this moment where I was like First of all, why do you get to ask me that? Like, are you a Zionist? I was like, what does Zionism to you mean? Like, do you even know what it is? Like, can we talk about, you know? And it just, it was such a, like, crazy moment for me to realize, like, oh, I'm not. Like, I I can't exist here as, like, some kind of token, token representation of something for you to um, sort of get a a history lesson from me on. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a similar thing happened to me. Actually, Prashamak, you were there at the Soho House in the Meatpacking District. Or one oh, of my the, God, that bitch. <laughs> one of the servers came up to me and, what did she ask me, Prashamak? Something about my if I voted for Netanyahu in the last election. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was very, like, uh, she, I guess she saw Amir's name on the card. And then she's like, oh, you're from Israel? And he's like, yeah. She's like, are you excited about the election? He's like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, well, like, yeah, I really hope BB wins. And then Amir just, like, makes a face. And she's like, yeah, he just really loves Israel. And then it's, like, that same very American point of view where, like, you know, very 9-11, Bush-loving yes. America. Yeah. Everyone else hates it, obviously, right. and wants it to burn. And Wait, that's insane. And, yeah, yeah, and she was a mess. It's just like... <laughs> but it's, like, right. It's just, like, those types of conversations where you're like, I actually don't know you well enough like go listen to the radio yeah. you know like like yeah, i'm just, not i'm not it here makes for that you con- it makes you constantly feel emotionally diasporic wherever yeah. you yes. are yes um especially yeah that's a very deep thing that you just yeah. said amir emotionally diasporic that should be the name of your memoir <laughs> that's that's the mood of the day <laughs> i love it um, are you guys excited about Klaus uh, Klaus's great return? The prodigal, <laughs> the pro- prodigal son returns. Santa Klaus. Oh my god. Um, I want the tea on that. I actually have none, but I want I want to know the gossip on it. Yeah, I think, if anyone... I think Pshama could uh, sum up the tea for us. Let's yeah, hear that'll it. that'll happen off the air. Okay. But what, are the th- what are the things we are allowed to discuss? Okay, but the, but the public facts are he was at MoMA and MoMA PS1. He went to LA to head MOCA, the Museum of Contemporary Art, uh, which 
put him even closer to a celebrity star fuckery nexus. Which is where he belongs. Yeah. Um, I guess closer to Gaga's house and Lana Wait, Del Rey. On, on Central Park South? <laughs> you know what I mean, closer to her like Malibu moment when oh, Gaga was, you know, a cowgirl when she was Joanne and Joanne and doing her Stars Born stuff, and and Lana Del Rey's cottage in Echo Park and the Starbucks she hangs out at, mm-hmm. and then there was some turmoil there last year, you know, when Black Lives Matter, you know, was picking up steam again and people were talking about the lack of diversity in the art world. It seemed like the museum did not want to change or address address or rectify anything. And um, curator Mia Locks left. She had come from New York and went to MoCA. And she, she had been working at PS1, right? I think. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, she was one of the Whitney curators, like the biennial curators a few years ago. Okay. So she left. And then they made a statement at some point a few months ago that Klaus was going to be like the artistic director stepping down from just kind of executive that director I remember. duties. Yeah. Yeah. And hiring someone to do that more kind of managerial uh, steering of the ship. And then days after they hired this new woman, Joanna something, uh, Klaus announced, announced yeah, that he's going to head Neue National Gallery and <laughs> this new museum that looks like an Aldi. Oh, let's pull it up. Yeah. What is it? It's like the Museum for 21st Century Art, maybe? Oh, I need to see that. Or no, for 20th Century Art here. Like, where is let's that? See. I mean, the, it, we're, we're next both. to Neue National Gallery. The Neue National Gallery, though, I'm actually going on Friday. I wish I had gone before the pod so I could report back. I have honestly only heard very negative things about this big opening show they have um, of Calder. Calder's like large sculptures that just look like they're Mark DeSuvero pieces. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, it was like, that's another classic Berlin thing. They spent like billions of dollars renovating the Neue Nationalgalerie. Yeah, I th- it was a, how much, 130 million euro or something? It was a massive... Something? Yeah, it's like building a new museum. <laughs> but they're like, it's just, they didn't build a new one. They just renovated this beautiful Mies van der building. Yeah. But like, did it need $130 million worth of renovation? It's like extremely well, suspect. Also, it's like, it was a David Chipper, Sir yes. David Chipperfield yes. headed renovation. Yes. And I'm like, why does Sir David Chipperfield get every single project in Berlin? Because he's like Mr. Interiors here. It's a thing. He's it's like, so it's, weird. It's, he's like the hot interior architect, yeah. I feel like. But then it's like that Pergamon Museum edition, which to me just looks like Nazi architecture. Completely. I would just walk by the other day and I was like, what is this gleaming yeah. alabaster? And people like, love so it. So scary and like, fascist. Yeah. Oh, you love neo-fascism. Yeah. Just like the humble form, that contemporary so scary. side. Nazi so scary. architecture. 100%. The whole thing yeah. is like an ethno-not-fascist. Yeah. But... The Neue National Gallery used to be like, it was this beautiful, cool, normal museum. And then it just shut down for like, the renovation took five years? Six, I think. Six years. And it just mm-hmm. reopened and everyone is extremely underwhelmed. And now yeah. Klaus is coming to, yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I, I'm very interested to see what that I mean, vibe I, is. I can't wait for the I, Dua Lipa retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the question is... With uh, Anwar Hadid. <laughs> oh my God. I guess the question is, uh, is Agnes moving to Berlin as well? Is Patty Smith <laughs> coming to Berlin? We're waiting for Patty. That's for sure. Um, 
Well, so it's Herzog and Demuron designed the Museum of the 20th Century, which is going to be built next to Neunatznau And also, they're like notoriously the most expensive architects. I would love to see the budget on that. Yeah, we need need details. I want to sue for an audit. Send Um, us receipts. Send us the receipts. (laughs) Does it not look like an Aldi? Like with a brown brick? It's so ugly. Google. Google the Museum of the 20th Century Berlin if you're listening and you want to yeah. see what we're talking about. It's very, very... It's kind of like a like a wannabe warehouse structure. Yeah, but isn't when, that Neue National Gallery the museum for the 20th yeah. century? Like, they don't exactly do, like, the most contemporary program Wait, there. I'm, I'm seeing a rendering like, uh, that basically looks like a cut set. Are we looking at the same <laughs> picture? <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it looks like okay. Lager uh, Zwei at... Uh, Oh my god. <laughs> Sachsenhausen. Stop. Is that going to be Klaus's new hashtag? Lager 23. <laughs> oh my Stop. god. Window 23 Stop. for an abuse that don't speak German. Just, just go to the hashtag, hashtag window 23. Oh my god. Oh my god. We'll see what happens with that. I mean, the Berlin art scene is so, like, has been, it's so, like, funny. I mean, the irony is people here, like, they, Berliners hate development and gentrification more than anywhere else I've ever, I've ever been, I think. Um, which is totally understandable. However, they still live in a very affordable city for by most standards, I think. Um, yeah, a city of four million people. Yeah. Oh, interesting fact for the pod. Berlin, believe it or not, is actually the largest city in the European Union. Really? Yes. Really? It's the largest city by the means of like people living huh. within the city limits. Like Paris yeah. is a larger metro, yeah. metro area. Frankfurt is a larger metro area. But, but the actual city limits yes, is true. Berlin has the yeah. highest population. It's true because the city limits do actually contain everyone. Because when you yeah. get to the end of Berlin, it is a farmer's it's the field. End. Yeah. yeah, you it's get the to end. the fields. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's interesting because the population in 1933 <laughs> was 4.2 million. And then it suddenly dropped to like 2.8 million in 1945. And so it seems like it took all these years for the numbers to go back to pre-war levels yep but it actually isn't growing that fast if you look at statistics like obviously there's like immigration but there's always also a big outflow really really low birth rate here yeah like people are not having babies here even though it's great the government really supports you really is that so i was sure when, when i lived there that it was such a great place to have kids at whatever age regardless of career or not because of the social networks and support yeah i think it i mean i think it is a great place to have kids but germans have like i think the lowest birth rate in yeah. europe maybe that's another I mean, fact so many countries do, but it's just it's uh it's expensive it's, it's not like hard. poland yeah <laughs> It's not but, like Poland where people are having, like, I think the one of the highest birth rates. No, no, no. It's really low. Oh, it it's is? It's super low, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, there's this government money that, like, the right-wing government instituted, but it's still really low because it's just, it's like the same problem everywhere. Where, right. Who where, wants where, to have where people are like, I can't find housing. Right. I mean, Berlin, it is relatively affordable. But, no, but it's still really hard. But it's, it's still... hard. But it's hard as, yeah, like we discussed, like, if you were like, oh, I'm going to have a kid, and suddenly it's like, okay, we need to find a new place. Right. And no one wants to move out of their places right. because... There's no movement in the housing yeah. market here. Don't move to Berlin. Yeah. People are like locked in their old contracts. Yeah. Because like if I gave up where I live now, I would pay like at least twice as much. Exactly. And and it's not even a money thing. Like I just wouldn't find an apartment yeah. because it's everyone's impossible. looking. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Rachel, what would your advice be to a... Udeka, a freshman 
in 2021. Wow, thank you so much for asking me that. I have been waiting for someone to call on me. My advice for what in the art world? Yes, for any aspiring newcomer, either student or fresh out of, you know, BFA, MFA. Uh, I mean, I guess my advice is do everything. Um, you know, just do as much as you can. I sort of like, I, I've, I've only now started to like try to be pickier, but I really feel that the more you kind of do, the more openings you go to, the more people you meet. Even like I've done so many horrible dumb shows that probably cost me more money and, and agreed to do projects for people who like never paid me and stuff. But it's all sort of added up to like, I feel like a 10 years in from after my, I got my degree, I feel like I'm so glad I've done so much. Um, even when a lot of it was sort of BS or felt stupid at the time or was annoying or cringy in retrospect because it just gives you like the more you do, the more of a reference point you have for everything else. Um, mm-hmm. and, in the art, and, in, and in making art, I think that's actually weirdly a really important element is like knowing, having a good base, baseline of references and how things should work and how your work is perceived and what different galleries or institutions or people or collectors are like um, just builds a really full image of the world. Right. Would you say Berlin is a good city to move to if you want to to establish yourself as an artist? Or I don't know. Um, probably. I mean, there's definitely like a very poppin' art scene here, as there is in New York. But if I were like 22 right now and graduating, I'd probably move somewhere like 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 Warsaw, <laughs> mm-hmm. like the True East, somewhere that's like actually or Naples. Um, something that's actually just really kind of operating in a more radical way. Berlin is already like, it's nice. It's already, it's, it's like, it's, 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 it's not so far off from like New York, Mm -hmm. um, to me, you know, in that, in, in the whole scene element. Um, I don't know. We're both commute, be a nomad. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for having me. You're the best. You need to come back onto the pod. Um, Thank you for your wise words. Trying. Trying. Um, Love the pod. Jonathan loved being on his first podcast. We loved having baby Jonathan too. (laughs) (laughs) You should definitely take a selfie, the three of you. 100% 100% oh, we will. we're gonna do it and we will have Jonathan on on episode 4000 absolutely yes. Jonathan's <laughs> gonna be like a boy wonder by the way uh, I don't know if you see this art in front of you right now I was wondering what that was this is another uh, artist pairs baby art so I love that you, you framed it beautifully I did thank you uh, friends of the pod Oliver and Lucy Ugh, uh, love it. Let's just say there's going to be some baby artist competition happening. <laughs> Honestly, that is a television show that I can't believe hasn't been made yet. Oh my god, yes, let's do it. Kids doing art. I mean, we have kids cooking. Iron yeah. Chef kids. Okay, let's yeah. let's make this happen. We're doing it. All right. So uh, until next time. Cheers. Cheers.